It's good to see all of you. If you're joining us online, we're super excited you're joining with us this morning. I know there's some people at the boat. We're jealous. People at home. But, and then the pe- wonderful people here. You know what? Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm just happy you're here this morning. If you're online, type it in. We as a church have been taking a, a journey through the book of Acts. And today we're on week 13. So we're on chapter 13. And if you, uh, if you don't know me, my name is uh, Pastor Kenny. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And one thing I've always wished I could do was teach a history class. And so I'm going to use right now just a chance to let that out, if you may. Um, so if you've been missing a couple weeks or if you're new here this morning, I'm just going to catch you up on how we got to Acts chapter 13. And it all started with Jesus. Who would have thought? Jesus, uh, when he was spending his time on earth, he kept talking about when he leaves, he will send a helper and the Holy Spirit, right? And so as he dies and he raises from the dead, before he goes to heaven, he tells his um, followers, he says, listen, I want you to go, very key word, can we say it together? Go and make disciples on all corners of the earth, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is what we call the Great Commission. And from there, really heads into the book of Acts, into what we call Pentecost, where the disciples are hanging out in the house, chilling with each other. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit descends upon them, and they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that is when the Helper shows up, and they start spreading the gospel around Jerusalem. And they're doing amazing things, healing people, talking about Jesus. And finally, what happens is in chapter 7, is we see Stephen... One of the disciples gets brought before the Sanhedrin, a Jewish court, if you will. And one of the people, um, many historians and theologians will say, is there's a character named Saul. And Saul does not like Christians. And he is probably at this court saying, let's kill Stephen. And so Stephen dies. And what happens is, is the church at that time then leaves Jerusalem. And on the way, they're spreading the gospel and they end up in Antioch. And during this time, Saul, I like to think he's riding a donkey. Can't tell you why. Just that's what I think. And he's on this road, and a bright light blinds him, and it is God. And God's saying, listen, dude, this is my own version of the story. Read it for yourself. He says, dude, you've got to stop killing my people. And so Saul, the person who is persecuting and killing Christians, ends up becoming one, ends up becoming a Christ follower. And he meets Barnabas. And then him and Barnabas in uh, Acts chapter 11 go to Antioch. And if you imagine, if you will, imagine if you are somebody in the church of Antioch and you saw this guy Saul walk up to your door and you think, I saw you. You were rah-rahing, killing our brother. You've been persecuting our family. And yet now you are here saying you are a follower of Christ. What ends up happening is they take him in. They love on him. They care for him. They disciple him. And that's how we got to Acts chapter 13. And what I love about this church of Antioch is how much they love Jesus. I mean, if you take a real good look, they're really living out what it means to be the church. And my hope here this morning with us in the auditorium, even for you online, is that we take an instance where we can look at ourselves and say, how can we be the church? How can we be more like this church of Antioch? 
I mean, imagine taking some time and, and looking inside yourself and saying, God, where am I just watching church? I find myself throughout the years uh, meeting seasoned followers of Jesus. And when I meet them and I talk with them, you, there's a sense of they don't go to church. They are the church. They live it out. And then over the years, I've, I've learned from them and reading and spending time with God that there's areas of my own life that I need to stop watching church and be the church. And my prayer this morning is that all of us have a chance to look at ourselves and say, God, where do I need to start being the church? Is that okay? All right, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 13, verse 2. If you've got a Bible, awesome. If you've got a phone, there's an app. You just click on it. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be on the screen behind me. We're going to start in, in verse 2, and this is what it says. While they, and they is the church of Antioch, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they have fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. What sticks out to me right in the beginning is how the church of Antioch starts off with they were worshiping, they were fasting, and they were praying. They had this intimacy with God. Um, I've been married uh, a little over six years to my wife, Andrea. She is amazing. I am extremely lucky. I was talking to some, uh, some people after service at the 9 a.m., I leveled up, is what I like to say. She doesn't know that, but I know that. I leveled up. This is us on our wedding. <laughs> right after this picture taken, I shot up like two feet in the air. I did not know it was coming. And me and my wife throughout the years, we've been told by other married couples, listen, you've got to keep dating. You've got to keep dating after you're married. And before you have kids, it's like super easy, right? It's like every Tuesday was a date night. You just got home, you're like, you want to go eat? Yeah, done. Date. Count it. And now over the years, I realized I got to actually like plan them. It's a little harder once you have two kids. Like, so I started planning them. I was like, okay, hey, on Friday night. Imagine with me, if you will, Friday night comes. And what do I do? I dress up really nice, right? It's date night. You got to dress up night. That's every Friday night we, we dress up. And I get in the car and we're going to go out to eat. And as we're driving, we sing, I sing some songs about her. Andrea, you're a good, good wife. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I am loved by you. And as I get to the restaurant, I walk in, and I'm telling everybody about my wife. Hey, you need to meet my wife. She is amazing. She's awesome. Last week, I forgot to do the laundry, and she forgave me. And you know what, waiter? You messed up our order, and she will forgive you too. You just need to ask for it. You just need to ask for forgiveness. Actually, we even sit down, and as we're sitting down, I pull out my phone, and I'm watching a service by her dad, right? And she's talking about how much he loves her daughter, about how she's taught him so much. And I'm like, mm, amen, amen. She is a good, good wife, good, good wife. What if the whole entire time we're on a date, though, we actually never talked? What if the whole entire date, I never listened to her, I never spoke to her? A lot of you would say, Kenny, you're a horrible husband. There was no relationship there. There's a book called Fan or Follower by Kyle Eidelman, and he describes that sometimes we are more fans of Jesus than followers of Jesus. And one of those ways is we miss having an intimate relationship with Jesus, an intimate time where we spend with him. In the beginning of Acts 13, I just see 
a church who says, listen, we are praying, we are fasting, and we are listening to the Holy Spirit. Take some time as we look at our own lives. Where are there areas where sometimes, me included, right, I come and I sit and I watch church. I view prayer as a as something, as a religious Christian checklist. Okay, I prayed before bed, I prayed before dinner, and I read my scripture today. But where's the intimacy? In the Bible, God even refers to us as his bride. That even the Lord says, listen, I look at our relationship as an intimate relationship. You see, I think for us to be the church, we have to have this intimacy with God. A couple weeks ago, um, I'm in the living room with my oldest daughter. My wife is in the kitchen with our youngest daughter, and I get a, a text. And I open it, it's my wife. And she's like, hey, after the kids are, are put down <laughs> to bed, not <laughs> to bed. She says, do you want to have a front porch date? And I was like, yes. And we just sat on the front porch, and we talked. And we asked each other questions, and um, we complained even a little bit. <laughs> I mean, we were just chatting. And I realized that that's the relationship. I loved what Pastor Mike said last week. That's the relationship he wants with us. That intimate prayer life where it's setting some time out of each day and saying, God, I, I need you to speak right now. I'm here to listen. God, I want to pray. And not having to feel like you have to say that perfect prayer but just saying, God, here's where I'm at. Can we, can we chat a little bit? Reading the Bible and saying, man, this, is, this isn't just scripture. This is God and me talking and he's speaking something to me. It's, I mean, when he calls it the living word, it's not just Harry Potter. This is, this is God's word speaking to us. I mean, there's so many times where I even find myself, right, where I'm, I'm going to church, I'm watching other people have a relationship with God. And I have to ask myself, where, where's my intimacy with him? Uh, I even have a friend of mine from college. Uh, we were roommates our freshman and sophomore year. And uh, I got married, and then six months later, he got married. And we decided um, we were always going to check up on each other on how our marriages were. And to this day, he texts me about every other week or once a month, and he'll say, hey, how are things going? Are you guys going out on dates? Are you guys having fun? Are you having real talk? And I find myself even in my walk with God, saying, do I, make, do I have people around me that are asking me those questions? That are saying, hey, how are you in your relationship with God? Is it going well? When was the last time you hung out with God? When was the last time he said something to you? That's why I love life groups here. People together gathering and saying, hey, we are living life and walking towards Jesus together. Because when that happens, you see that in verse 4, it says this, it says, Then the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to that town and sailed from Cyprus when they arrived at that town and they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Even in, even in it, they, you see that God has called Paul and Saul out. He says, listen, I want you to go. And unless you have that intimacy with God, that's where we're able to have that calling. You see, for us to be the church, we need to have a calling and purpose. I'm, uh, I love our church with everything inside of me. We have amazing leaders here at North Church. Um, one of my favorite teams here, selfishly because I get to serve with them every Wednesday, is our youth team. And you see, when people come and they say, hey, can I be on the youth team? It's, a, it's not as easy to jump on the youth team. 
Um, almost every single leader, there's even leaders in here like shaking their head. They're like, yep, I know what you're about to say. Like you sit down with me or Pastor Jacob and we talk about, hey, is this a calling in your life to serve and love junior high and high school students? It can't just be, hey, I want to go babysit kids on Wednesday night. It's more than that. See, our leaders, when they come on Wednesday night, they're actually speaking to them in small group for a half an hour. They actually have relationship with them. We even had a leader last week who brought all of his small group over to his house to play video games all night. We have leaders that are baptizing students, sharing the gospel with students. It can't just be, hey, I'll come every other Wednesday. We were like, you need to, you need to be there. And we ask him, hey, is this a call in your life? Because the reality is, I, I love middle school and high school students, but every once in a while, just every once in a while, they can drive you up the wall a little bit. And we experience life, right? We have uh, young adults on our team that are going to college that will stay up to 1 or 2 in the morning to finish homework or study for a test because they're there on Wednesday nights. We have parents and people that are um, seasoned of age on Wednesday nights sacrificing time, energy, and money. Some of our leaders will, uh, in the summer, take their time, paid time off to go to camp to make sure students come to know Jesus. Real leaders who have a calling to serve and love junior high and high school students. I remember uh, three or four years ago, we were at summer camp, and I was really excited because there's one day every year at summer camp where the speaker will say, there's leaders all around the room. Go pray with the leader. It's always my favorite time. It's always my favorite time because I'm like, yep, I want a line, and I'm going to start praying for kids to come know Jesus. This is going to be great. And I'm sitting in the back. I'm making sure I'm well seen by everybody, right, like I'm ready to go. Not a single student came over to talk to me. And I got so mad. I was like, okay, last time we're doing summer camp. Like, and I was talking to another youth pastor friend of mine, and, he, and I was telling him my frustration. And he goes, look around the room. Where are all your leaders? And we had about 12 leaders at the time. Every single one of them had about six to seven students lined up, praying for them, spreading Jesus. See, for them, it wasn't just a, I'm going to serve. It is, I'm going to go live out my calling. And sometimes that's, that's a little harder to find out. That's why I love, uh, we have like the spiritual gift test where you can find out, where am I called to? Sometimes it's just diving in somewhere and figuring it out. There was somebody in kids' ministry a while back that was serving for years faithfully and then realized, I love worship, and then hopped onto the worship team and is living out that purpose in their life. You see that the reality, though, is it can't just be your job or your profession that is your calling. Not very many people know this, but Paul was a tent maker. You don't see the whole New Testament talked about tent making. You see him living out his calling, his purpose. Ask yourself this, when... Are you living out your calling that God's given you? Whether that's kids' ministry or youth ministry. Uh, I met a guy a couple months ago who told me it was the employees at Safeway. He goes to Safeway on Francis and intentionally meets every employee there and gets to know them and loves on them. He doesn't even live nowhere near it. But he says, this is where I feel called to do. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's working... And volunteering at a nonprofit here in town or UGM, homeless ministry. But where is God calling you? Because uh, Francis Chan once said that 
in a, in a book he wrote that so many times as Americans, we end up coming and watching people use their gifts and watching people follow God without living out our own calling. I think for us to be the church like Antioch, we got to live out that calling and purpose. The rest of the story is you see Paul and Barnabas, well, Saul, and halfway through the Acts 13, his name turns to Paul. A little confusing, but I think you guys can keep track. And at the end of it, they're spreading the gospel, right? They're spreading it throughout the region. And in verse 49, this is what it reads. He says, The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their land. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to that town. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They shook off the dust off their feet and with joy went on to the next town. You know what uh, I think all of us have realized? Hard times happen, right? Hard times hit us. Uh, apparently pandemics happen, right? And what I've noticed that in Paul here is that didn't let them, their persecution and hardship, stop them from continuing the gospel. They said they shook off their feet and they went on to the next town with joy. It makes me kind of think, um, where are there times in my own life where uh, I felt like stopping what I was called to do because of hardship? About three or four years ago, Pastor Nate, he was the high school pastor at the time, and I was the junior high pastor. We were sitting in our youth office, and we really felt called. We're like, let's do our own winter camp. Let's just do it. We had about 20 kids going to camp, and we were just like, you know what? I think we should do our winter camp to get 21 kids to go to camp. Like, let's just do it. And so that year, um, I had my first daughter about a week before, so I didn't even get to go. And... The next year, Nate was the associate pastor. I became the high school pastor. We hired Pastor Jacob, and I was really excited. This is the year we're going to do winter camp. And we signed up almost three times the amount of students that go to winter camp than any other year before. So I'm, like, super excited. I'm, like, thrilled. I'm, like, let's go. Everything's going to be awesome. Let's do it. We get to camp. Almost everything went wrong. We, I mean, can you imagine? Middle schoolers don't go to sleep at night. High schoolers want to sneak out. <laughs> Blew my mind. And we ran into problem after problem. Apparently one girl never told us that she has allergies to everything. And it was just hitting problem after problem. To the moment is the middle of Saturday, I'm telling Jacob, dude, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. This is not fun. Like we're just hitting problem after problem. This sucks. And I'm just done. And so we're chatting, and I'm like, let's just get over with winter camp, and we'll figure it out next year. And the very last night of service, we, our speaker comes up to me. He says, hey, I'd like to do one last altar call. And I'm like, awesome, dude. Great. Go for it. And he, and he goes up there, and over 40 students said yes to Jesus. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> we got to do winter camp again. I mean, we got back in the parking lot, and, and I looked at Jacob, and I was like, let's do it again. I don't even care. And last year, we went to winter camp, and we had three other churches join. We had more students, and we ran into more problems. I can't tell you the frustration when the resort calls you and says, a student went number two in the lazy river. Like, I can't tell you the, like, you got to be kidding me. 
where we had more students say yes to Jesus. And there was almost a joy when every hardship hit. It was almost like this time of like, we can get through this. God is working and we can't stop. I have found myself throughout this and meeting people and talking to people throughout this time we're in right now. We all have hit hardship one way or another. Right? Whether it's the economy, whether it's our jobs, whether it's family, whether it's just frustration, whether it's anxiety or depression. We've all hit some type of hardship. Frustration even. Like, I hate wearing a mask, you guys. It sucks. I'm the biggest complainer on staff by far. But does that mean we stop? Does that mean we say, hey, we're done? Or does that mean we need to shake off the dust and say, with joy, God, I'm going to continue going forward. I'm going to continue serving you. I'm going to continue meeting with you. I'm not going to let the frustration of my life stop my relationship with you. It's gonna, I'm going to have to dig in deep and dive farther in with you. You see, this it can't just be a time where we watch church. We have to be the church. We have to walk it out day in and day out. Some of those ways is, um, if you're here in the auditorium, we got these uh, connection cards in every little pod of chairs. If you're watching online, it's at northchurch.net. You just click on the connect button. Some of us, maybe we need to join a life group and say, hey, I need people to help me with my intimacy with God. For some of us, it's, I just got to start serving and figuring it out. And I'm going to go, and you know what? It's going to cost me time. It's going to cost me some comfort. But, but following God's calling is worth it in my life. For some of us, it means I got to shake off the dust off my feet. I got to go forward. I have a volunteer um, who, just like me, does not wear wearing a mask, and I love seeing him week after week, saying, I'm not going to let this tiny frustration stop me from serving. I'm going to push forward. See, the church of Antioch was the hub to sending people out and spreading the gospel in the region. I can't imagine as an individual basis that all of us had this intimacy with God and walking out our calling what North Church could be in the community of Spokane. What people could come to know Jesus. What people could say, hey, because you sacrifice time and comfort, I know God now. I think me included here, let's take some time and say, God, where do I need to stop watching church? Where do I need to start being the church? Will you pray with me? Father, Lord Jesus, God, I love how much you love us. I love how much you care about being in relationship with us. God, there is something about you saying, I don't care about what you do, about just being with you. You don't want us to just live out a checklist, but prayer is time with you, and relationship is important to you. God, lead us into a calling that you have given us. Give us purpose in this life. God, I just ask that for people here, God, that want to know you, let your voice be spoken clearly to them. God, that people want to start serving you, God, that you give them opportunity and guidance. And God, put your arm around people who are suffering, God, and just need that joy in their life. We thank you in your name.
Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Next week we'll have our services again at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today. Next week.